This morning we will go into the second part of, of this thought of gaining the upper hand. Gaining the upper hand in your life. Gaining the upper hand in a lot of what we talked about this morning. In fact, Joel in, in the altar call was preaching my first service. And I told you that everything begins with being able to do what? Tell your story. You can only go as far as you can tell your story. In fact, when he gave the altar call this morning, there's some of you that just stayed right where you're at. Not because you didn't have things you wanted to change, not because you, you didn't have issues. or, or, or pro The problem is you can't yet, out of your mouth, tell a different story. And until you can tell a different story, you can't operate where God wants you to operate. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. That's, that's, that's just biblical. I'm not trying to treat you or give you some new theology. I'm telling you that until you can speak it, until you can believe what you're saying and align your words up with God, then it won't happen. It's not going to take place. God's not going to overwhelm your disbelief. God's not going to do something that's, that's going to be against what you actually want to happen or telling everybody that's going to happen. It has to be first coming from your mouth. And let me give you a couple stories as we transfer into this, just to kind of reiterate that. As we said last week, if you want to change your life, you have to change your story. That was number one. And here's a few stories that I, I didn't bring out, but I just want to connect us to what we're moving to next. In Mark 5, and I don't, I'm not going to these, just go into detail, but we know the lady with the issue of blood. She has a story. Her story is for 12 years, she suffered and under many physicians, she spent everything she had. She's broke. She has nothing. She posted it on Facebook. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm go with me fun. She's got it all going on. She, she is, she is down to nothing, man. She is broke, busted, bottomed out. It's, she's walking home. And in walking home, she knows I've got, they're going to come get my house, probably going to come. I, I, and I'm still worse than I was when I started. I've still got this issue of blood. And the Bible says she thought to herself, and she said to herself, if I can but touch this man Jesus' garment that everybody keeps talking about, that I've heard about, that if I can touch his garment, I can be made whole. What did she do? She changed her story. She, she, she changed what she said. She immediately started walking toward him saying, if I can touch his garment, if I can touch his garment, I'll be healed. I'll be, do you see what I'm talking about? In any time in the, in the Bible, it's changing the story. In the book of Mark, if we go uh, to Luke, the seventh chapter, there's a story of the centurion. And, and, and here again, I'm not trying to preach these sermons. I just want to connect to what we said last week. You have to change your story. I don't care where you've been yesterday. I don't care where you was last night. If you decide this morning I'm changing my story, your whole story begins to change. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press now toward the prize. So all of a sudden, this centurion uh, sends ambassadors from the Jewish people to Jesus because he's got a servant who's sick. They're in Capernaum, and, and, and Jesus, after hearing the Jewish leaders say, look, he's given a lot of money, he's a good man, you need to go help heal his servant. You know, if you do this, it'd mean a lot to us. And Jesus is headed toward this guy's house. And as he's headed toward his house, all of a sudden, three or four men come toward him from the centurion's house. And they say, look, we represent our master. And our master said, look, don't come any further. He's not worthy for you to even come to his house. You're, you are too valuable to sit come into his house. In fact, he sent us because he felt that he himself was not worthy to even ask you himself or to come himself. So he just sent us to tell you that he is a man of authority. He is a man who tells one person to do this and they do it and he tells another one to go here and they go here. And he says he knows you are a man of authority and you're a man of power. And if you just simply say that my servant is healed, then it's going to be done and you don't have to do any special things. Just speak the word and it'll be accomplished and Jesus turns around to the crowd and says I have not seen this much faith in all of Israel what did the guy do he's sitting there looking at his servant and he's thinking man I want you healed but while he's doing that he's telling the story he's saying listen 
I want him healed, but, but God is trying to tell him, here's the story. Who are you talking to? Who are you asking to come? And the more he thought about it, it changed his story. It changed the way he saw his situation. Instead of his servant being sick and doing anything he could and any kind of medication, anything he could get, he knew that my story can change if that man just says one word. Now, that's important to be able to tell your story. You can't go any further. But if you can get to where you can speak your story, like worshiping up here like this morning, when you can stand up there and, and speak to what's against you, speak to what's not working, speak to your future, speak to... Then all of a sudden, you're ready for number two. This morning, we're going to deal with, with three points to this thought. And here's the thought that you've got to get. The obstacles that you are facing is not the problem, and it's not your enemy. It's always the way. you, you got to get this. We spend all of our time and energy preventing from getting sick. But every story we like in the Bible are about sick people. We, we spend all of our energy trying to stay out of a problem. But all the stories that we like in the Bible are people who had to get out of a problem. Man, I wish I had David's faith. Really? Want to be disliked by your brothers, not picked by your dad, told you'll never be nothing but a sheep herder the rest of your life. That's the way you want your story to go. Oh, no, no, I want to kill the job. Well, that's part of the story. But there's a whole big part of this story. It's the problem that makes David who he is. David didn't show up to the battle and his brother said, oh, David's here. Now we'll get that giant killed. No, his brother looks at him and says, why don't you go back home? We know how little haughty mouth you have and how you just like to talk, 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 talk. Why don't you just go back and take care of them few sheep? Is that the story you want? See, what we like is the result, but what we don't realize is God creates the problem. And in creating the problem is where we become who we're supposed to become. So you can write this down. The obstacle is not the problem or the enemy. It's always the way. So what you're facing right now is just the way. What you're up against right now, the situation you're in, the circumstances you're in, the roadblock that you're up against, you can't, you, I, I, I feel like I'm called to do more, do more, do more, and God won't open doors. There's a reason. So go with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5. Let me show it to you the way Paul would teach it because Paul has this story. He has a thorn in the flesh. He has all these issues. He, he has all these battles. He's got all this. And here's what Paul would tell you. He said, here's what I've learned about the journey. And not only that, but we also glory in Tribulation, Paul said, what I've learned is, is to glorify God, to give God glory. That's what we're doing this morning. Giving God glory in the middle of my what? In the middle of my trouble. I'm looking at my trouble and I'm giving God glory. I'm looking at my life situation and I'm giving God glory. And somebody would say, I don't, I mean, I, I would wait till God did the thing and then I would, no, 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 I'm glorifying God now. In the middle of my tribulation, I give him glory. Listen to what it says. We also glory in tribulations that knowing that tribulations produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Hope does not make or does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He said, here is the equation that you've got to get right to be able to do. So, so part of that is what we already know. I've got to glory. I've got to tell my story in the middle of my situation. 
I've got to begin to tell my story, the story that I'm believing, the story that I'm wanting, the story that I'm, I'm after, the life that I want to live. I've got to get my head up. I've got to get myself out of bed. I've got to quit whining. I've got to quit complaining. And I've got to get my story correct. And that is in the middle of my tribulation, in the middle of, of growing up in my life when I was in school, moved around all the time by my dad and mom. I had to get it right when I was younger. It wasn't marriage yet and still waiting on the right person and, and had to get my head up and do what I was supposed to do until God fixed that problem. And every time in my life, it has always been the tribulation and the situation that is the promotion of what God wants to do. Because listen to what happens. If I can begin to glorify God in the middle of my tribulation, what does that equal? That's what it says. Go back with me to verse 3. And do not we not only know, but that we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces. So when somebody says, Pastor Lot, man, it's, you've been here for 30 years nearly. Yeah, man, that is awesome. That's not what's awesome. That's just what got produced. What's awesome is that I could glorify God all through my years in the middle of Tribulation. Because by doing that, it produced perseverance. You don't pray, God, give me, give me patience, give me perseverance, give me, give me, God, give me strength to hang on. No, no, no. God gave you something to help you hang on. What did he give you? Problem. God already gave you something to get you right. Your mate. Yeah, that trouble you should sit beside right now. Like, Lord, have mercy, drive me crazy. Absolutely. Because if you can learn to deal with, with all of that and learn to deal with your job and learn to deal with things not happening when you want and how you want, and you can learn to sit there in the middle of the night and you can learn to go home when this party's going on and play dominoes and whatever with your brothers because you know I'm hanging on. I'm not choosing that route. I'll sit right here and play Uno if that's what I got to do until God opens the next door. But I'm not sacrificing my tomorrow for what I little bit I could get today. See, until you can do that, you will never have perseverance. So when people look at me and they're like, man, you're mean. No, I'm persistent. I just done got my, some of you just ain't really got your mind made up. You don't know what you would do next to quit on God if you didn't know what problem was coming. I can already tell you, I ain't quitting on God. Let me give you a little bit of advice. You can write this down. Until you get to the point you have no ability to quit. Never complain. Some of you in this room complain, but you shouldn't because you ain't been in it long enough to where you won't quit yet. And complaining makes you weaker. See, God doesn't mind me complaining. I complain to him all the time. But here's what he knows. When Tim gets through complaining... He's going to get up and do what I told him to do. Some of you complain yourself out of church. Complain yourself out of marriage. Complain yourself out of a job. See, I can complain at my job because I ain't no way I'll quit it. I can complain in my marriage because I ain't no way I'm leaving it or messing it up. Some of you complain but you're not equipped yet to complain because you don't have enough under your belt. You haven't been through enough that God knows, don't worry, I can chew that one out. I can spit that one up. I can put that one in a bad situation because that little rascal is persistent. He won't quit. He's not going to let go. He's not going to stop. Mm, do you get that? So some of you, until you know quitting is not an option, don't complain. Don't complain. Because listen, tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Ah, but then perseverance, if, I'm, if I stay at it, what does it produce? Perseverance then produces, it's what people say about you. If I look at somebody and say, look, have I ever lied to you? 
No, you never lied to me. Okay, that took going through wanting to lie to you, being persistent in not lying to you, to the point to where one day you just know my character is I don't do what? I don't lie to you. If I tell you I won't stop loving you, and I'm persistent through all those times of wanting to quit loving you, then over time you finally come to your conclusion that he ain't ever going to quit loving me. I've hurt that dude so many ways. I've, I've, I've done him wrong. I've, he won't quit. See, your troubles helps produce your perseverance, which produces what people know as your, your character. So if somebody looks at you and says, I don't believe you, it's because you don't have that character. Well, well I want people to think that. Well, good. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to be tempted before long in that area again. And when you're tempted in that area again, this time, don't go dumb on me. Don't go idiot on me. Hang in there until you pass the test. And then people will look at you and say, I like you. I can trust you. You got the right character. Is this okay? What I'm, tr- I'm not trying to preach some spirit. I'm trying to show you how to gain. This is how you get ahead. You got to learn to speak it when nobody can speak it. And then you got to learn to have the ability to realize problems are not sent to destroy me. Problems are meant to mold me, to make me who I am. It's not the, uh, the me looking back and somebody said, what would you change? Nothing. Because then I wouldn't be who I am today. It took every problem, every situation, every U-Haul, every broke-down car, every situation, every every time we had to sell M&Ms to go to youth camp, all the problems, all the disappointments, all the letdowns and hurts, and all of it built Tim Lott. And Tim Lott had to go through all of that and decide, I'm not quitting on God. And God said, that became your character, Tim. But let me tell you what character produces. Character then produces hope. See, that's what we mess up and do. Look, you, you just need to believe there's a heaven. You, you just need to believe God's going to help you. You just need to believe. And we're telling people who have no perseverance in their problems. And we wonder why they don't get it. It's because hope is not the first thing you get. Hope's the last thing you get. Because once I've cut out everything else, all I got left is hope. Let me tell you something. If heaven ain't real, folks, I wasted a lot of time when I could really be doing a lot of partying. I ain't lying. Man, every woman in this room would have to be watched out for me. If I knew there was no heaven... Every party they were going to have, every type of tequila they had to try, I would eat the worm at the bottom. I mean, if, if there was no heaven, son, but since I have established that I've already went through, do you want the worm? No. Do you want to go party? No. Do you want to do this? No. Do you want to sell out for this? No. No, I'm not selling out because I believe that there's a God and there's a heaven and then that produced within me perseverance and then the perseverance produced character and then the character that I have when somebody says, would you like to try that? I just look at them like, are you crazy? Do you think I would give up God in heaven? Do you think I would miss the moment when Jesus does break through one day with scars in his arms and you think I'm going to miss that for a bottle of beer or you think I'm going to miss that for somebody that I can sleep with you think I'm going to miss that for something you can give me that won't last 15 minutes oh no I'm intending to be there I'm intending to worship there I'm intending to give God glory there I'm intending to be right on the front row God I've been waiting for you Now, if you don't feel like that, it's because you hadn't gone through enough problems yet. If you don't feel like that, you hadn't developed your character yet. Because then, all of a sudden, that produced the hope. And listen to what it says. Hope has a unique ability. Now, hope does not... mm, 
The word disappoint is an abbreviated word. It means you have an appointment. But because you didn't choose this, you disappointed. You missed your appointment. God had an appointment for you. God had me standing on this stage when I was five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old. He said, Tim, I've got an appointment for you. But if you don't go through the problems and you don't persevere, and if you can't handle it at 17 and 18, if you can't handle it at 25, if you can't handle it, Tim, then you can't have the character that I need you to have for people to trust in you when I send them through your doors when you're 55. Does that make sense? Paul could preach it a lot better, but that's the best I can do for you. It does not disappoint. You do not miss your appointments. Because why? The love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to you. So, brother, I may miss it. No, you can't miss it. Because it's the Holy Spirit inside of you who keeps trying to get you to do the right thing when you keep doing the wrong thing because He's trying to tell you, if you keep doing this, you're going to miss your appointment. God loved you so much He didn't just say, I got a place for you, I hope you get it there. He said, I love you so much that I made an appointment for you and not only did I make my appointment with you, but I have a reminder that dings on your phone and in your brain and in your heart every single day that says, don't miss your appointment, don't miss your appointment, don't miss your appointment, don't miss your appointment. Don't miss your appointment. The Holy Spirit who's been given to you is your guide, your teacher, your traveling partner. You keep thinking it's something to give you goosebumps, to make you speak funny, do this. Those are just moments that he overwhelms me. Those are moments that he over. But his daily job is guiding me, teaching me, training me. That's why we keep messing up the church so bad because we think it's just about goosebumps and jumping around and then we don't listen to him the other six days and we keep messing up our lives. Is this okay? Let me see if I can show it to you. In the Bible. Go, go to John 16 and 33. John 16 and 33. I don't know if we'll get to a story today, but, but we'll just get as far as we can. Is that okay? John 16 and 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have. In the world you will have. He didn't say you might. He said it's part of the program. You will have tribulation. So if you're looking around at somebody and they're like, well, I don't know why I'm going through this, because God wants you to. God needs you to. God's doing something in it. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the... Jesus said, I'm the one that went in front of you, and guess what I did? From the moment the Holy Spirit came upon me and when I was baptized, I have showed you the example of following him. I faced Satan head on, not just some little spirit. And I, I faced him direct, the main man. I, I took him on head on and defeated him. I have overcome the world. The same spirit that was in me is in... That's why he can look at you and say, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Quit making yourself small. Quit making yourself weak. You're not. You got somebody inside of you more powerful than the most powerful thing in this world. But be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. Go with me to James. James 1, 2 through 3. Here's what it says. My brethren, count it all joy. 
when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now let me explain this real quick because this is where it gets messed up. Tribulations produces what? Perseverance. Tribulations produces perseverance. What does trials produce? Patience. It's different, isn't it? See, we always lump them together, but they're not the same thing. Abraham waited 25 years for his Isaac. That's perseverance. You may be going through a moment right now where, where you got the shakes wanting to do something, or that's a trial. Trials are shorter. Many are the trials. Many are the trials that we go through daily. Many are the trials that we face. But you only have a few things that you have to persevere through. While I was young, I had a lot of trials. Tim, you want to go do this? You want to do this? You want to do this? No, I don't want to do that. You want to do this? No. But when I was young, I decided I would keep myself until I was married. Now, guess what that is? That was almost 15 years, which produced perseverance. How do you know, how do you know it's perseverance, Brother Locke? Because if something happened to Elise, and, and let's say she was in a wheelchair tomorrow, and we couldn't get it on anymore. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. Because of who I am now, I can do what? Persevere. Does that make sense? Because of the character that I have now, I can persevere. Trials teaches you patience. Trials teach you short bursts of patience. Perseverance, something that God puts way out there. Five, ten years and says, can you go with me? Not two weeks. Not, not when you, I ain't smoked in three months. Wonderful. Call me in three, five years. Then we'll change it from betrayal to where now you have persevered. And guess what? Then you won't even have to worry about it anymore because your character then will keep you. It's a totally different animal now. Y'all have to go study that. Look up the definitions of trials. Look up the definitions of patience. Look up the definitions of perseverance. Look at, understand they're different. I don't have time to deal with all that, but, but does that give you an understanding that trials are shorter? You may be going through a trial right now. Your water bill, whatever, it's a trial. But guess what? That's going to pass real quick. And through that, you're going to learn patience. You're going to think, God's took care of me before. He'll take care. You'll learn patience. But there are times when God's going to give you big things. I need you to keep your pants on. I need you to not sleep with that. I need you to not go hang out with that. I need you to, I need you to trust me. I need you to depend. I need you to stay in this job for as long as I need you to until I've got you to where you need to be. Then I'll promote you. And you don't, you don't quit it. You have to stay there no matter how bad. That's perseverance. And they're different, folks. You've got to learn this is different. Go with me to Ephesians 4 and 15. So point one, the obstacles are not your problem or your enemy. It's always your way. Let me put it a different way. The cure for your fear then, which is what's going to happen. It's, you're going to get all itchy, fearful you're going to miss something. Fearful, that's the one. That, and I watch girls and boys like this all the time. You know, you've got this messed up, tore up from the floor up person. And you're like, I'm thinking, you need to dump that. That's pitiful. And you're sitting there, I don't know, it's all I got. I ain't got nobody. I'm like, oh, oh, you got a fear problem. You got a fear problem. And let me explain this. The cure for fear, fear of failure, because that's what it is. You're feeling a fear that you're going to fail. It's not success. I'm going to show you guys plan. The cure for fear of failure is failure. 
in small enough doses to where you eventually get immune to it. The cure for the fear of failure, the, the reason I don't fear failing is because over the years I have got enough small doses of it to where I'm immune to it. So when you see someone who, who you say, man, that person, I'm telling you, they got, they got faith, man. They, they, I mean, they just ask them about their story because they weren't born that way. What happened to it, they would tell you of all the small battles, the little things, the things that didn't go right, the kid that got sick, the one that died on the operating table, all the situations that took place. And what they'll tell you is, what I've learned through my journey is, is not to fear what God is bringing, not fear what's fixing to happen, but I know the God who started something will finish it. It may look different at times, it may look difficult at times, it may be troublesome at times, but I don't quit, I don't worry about it, because fear is not going to cause me to be gripped and to cause me to freeze up, I'm just going to keep moving and praising and giving Him glory and moving toward the next thing, knowing that sooner or later, all things work to good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. All things will. This is what, go with me to Ephesians 4 and 15. Here we go. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto Him who is the head, which is Christ. So, so he says, listen, growing up, breaking this cycle is your key. Go with me to 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3 and 18. Let me show it to you here. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. These are people writing who are in prison, who are fixing to die, who are fixing... What are they talking about growing up? What do you mean growing up? He's saying, listen, you've got to get inoculated to the small moments of life that keep beating you and keep breaking you and keep making you think nobody loves me and nobody cares. And, and, and all. You've got to break all that and you've got to get to the point to where you can live your life and realize that the cure for your fear is not the absence of fear, but all success. No, the, the cure is small doses of things not working out the way you want them to and finally realizing that even in the middle of that, God still makes a way. If you were to look back over my story, it is a small dose continually of failure, mess up, trouble, bad choices. We all make them. That's not the point. My dad used to say it best. Go through some, he just looked at me and said, Did you learn something? Did you learn something, son? We don't tell kids that. Then they just still to sell up now. <laughs> Why are you being mean? No, no, I want to know the truth. Did you learn anything? Because if you didn't learn anything, let me explain something to you. You're going to get to repeat that one. If that first idiot you hung out with didn't teach it to you, there's another idiot on the way. If that first bad friend didn't teach you to keep your mouth closed, that, that next one will. God will keep sending. Like, God, why do you keep sending all these people? Because you won't learn from the first one. I, I, I'm sorry. Is this okay, guys? If you want to know, I didn't do this on purpose because this is a series, so you just happen to end up on the wrong day at the wrong time the wrong church. <laughs> Maybe God had something to do with it. Let me put it to you this way. Don't waste your sorrows. You can write that down. That's a good phrase to keep in your life. Don't waste your sorrows. Life will bring sorrows. But don't you waste them. Don't, don't, don't let them just slide by. Don't let them just make you harder. Don't waste them. You learn what you're supposed to learn. If, if you and your wife have had five bad years, don't waste your sorrows. You better learn to have, how to have five good ones. Don't waste the sorrow. Those tears cost something. That's real pain. That's real hurt. 
You need to work very hard in understanding God's purpose for it. Why did God bring it? Let me give you a few here that maybe one of these register with you. Why did God allow this to happen in my life? Why did God allow me to go through this? Why did God put this in my life? Why did, number one, maybe it was to focus you. Maybe he knew that if he didn't allow it to happen, your lack of focus would always cause you problems. And that you were heading in a direction that was going to cause you a lot more pain. But God said, I'm going to allow this problem to cause him. Because some of you don't pray good until you're in problems, right? Right? I mean, I mean, some of y'all won't even pray. If we go to dinner today, who's going to pray over the meal? Well, not me. I, don't, I ain't good at praying. But let... The doctor say you're gonna have to be have your leg amputated or something, an arm amputated or something, something, something serious, something major or whatever it may be. And I guarantee you can sit there and you be you be like, God, please. Don't. I'm like, man, you can pray. Look at you going praying. Look, you just had to have the right motivation. So sometimes God helps your life. And brings problems so that you will learn to focus. Some of you wouldn't be in church all the time if God gave you too much money. Come on, be honest. You had a good bit of money, you'd be able to take more Sunday trips, more weekend. You done bought that camper and had that other car with the top it comes down. Y'all be riding around on Sundays. And it's best you just stay check to check. It is. I'll be praying for it. <laughs> Brother Lot, that ain't biblical. Oh yeah, the Bible says, Brothers, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if your soul ain't good, I hope you get sick and I hope you get poor. Until your health gets good spiritually, then I hope you get rich and I hope you get blessed. Man, y'all can't handle what I got to preach today. You just can't handle it. Maybe it's a weakness in you that God keeps putting you through this, trying to get you to the point where you start to break a weakness inside of you. It may be that you have pride and, and you keep acting like you got it together when you only got it halfway together. I mean, you got it enough together that people in this church might think you okay. But your family at home know, Lord. I wish they could see you now. I wish they could watch you now. Well, guess what? God brings problems to con You say, brother, that's tough. Well, go with me to 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. I'll show you a famous man who had to deal with this. Here's what, here's what this man said. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am... See, Paul was praying constantly, God, if you just let me go, man, if you just, if you just cut me loose, if you just make my eyesight and make me a little, if you could just give me, I'm telling you, God, I, I, am, a, I am a bulldog on a chain. If you just unchain me. And God said, no. I'm going to bring you reproaches, persecutions, imprisonment, distresses. Why? Because when you're weak, my strength shows through. Because you would be prideful, Paul, and you would get real haughty. And I need you to write most of the New Testament. And the only way I can do that is to break you. So I'm going to break you. So that in love you write to the Ephesians and the Philippians and the Colossians and you write to Timothy and you do it with humility. Strength, but humility, so that the letter comes across good. Because Tim Lott's got to read that letter about 2,000 years from now, and I need it to sound right. Maybe he just wants to show his power in your life. Maybe he just hates the sin that keeps bubbling up in your life, and he's just going to break you. It's just going to... Just going to bring this problem until you finally quit playing with that sin. Isn't it amazing that 
If you've got a sin in your life, something you know is supposed to have already been gone, when problems come, what's the first thing you think? If I hadn't have been doing, this wouldn't have happened. Let me tell you who does that. God. God. Because He loves you. I used to have that. Everything I'm telling you about, I've, I've, I've worked through them in spades. I remember going, I'd be, I'd be doing stuff and all of a sudden it'd go wrong, a flat tire, and I'd say, I know God, I shouldn't have been doing that. I know it, I know, I know why I've got a flat tire. And, and, and God, if you just help me get through this, and God found a way, and i get a cheap flat tire fix and everything, and, and, and I'd find myself two weeks, three weeks later, do it again, and, and, and I'm like, I know God last time, I told you I wouldn't do it, and I'm sorry. And I'm, I know none of y'all ever battled like that, but I'm just telling you how my life sometimes went. But what God was doing, He was patiently saying, Tim, I'm going to keep bringing this, and every time I do, the Spirit, it's in you. you. I love you, son. The Spirit that's in you is going to remind you of that thing because it's not the thing that's really causing it, but I'm using that to push the thing out. I'm using it to perfect you, son. So number two, the cure for your fear of failure is not success, not God giving you everything you want. Because then you'd still be the person you are with more stuff. The cure for the fear of failure is more failure, but in small doses where you don't think God hates you, but where you realize God is not going to let me move until I move. Number three. If you do little things like they're big things, then God will do big things like they're little things. God healing that lady with the issue of blood, to her, that was a huge thing. To Jesus, it wasn't even a thing he thought about. It, it, it happened without him even, even knowing about it. It just got sucked out of him and he didn't even know what happened. The centurion to him, that was a little thing. A, a, a little thing to, to just honor Jesus and say, I'm not worthy. That's, that's a little thing to show humility. When he was able to do that, the Bible says before the men got back home, the servant was already up in the well. God did a big thing. Let me see if I can show it to you in a, in a story here. Go to Mark 4, 35 through 41. Just a simple story. On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitudes, these are the disciples, they took him, meaning Jesus, along with them in a boat that, as he was. Just basically, just, hey, let's get in the boat. We ain't got time to get food. We ain't got time. Let's just get in the boat. We're going to get to the other side. And other little boats were lost so with them. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we perish? Remember what I told you? Now Jesus, it, it, you would think Jesus would have woke up and said, Well, y'all got a lot of nerve to wake me up. and act, and act. But understand this. The only people who have a, a, a right to complain are who? People who won't quit. The only people who have a right to complain are people who won't quit. Jesus will take it from them and keep teaching. People who complain that quit Him, He'll pull back from them. So what does He do? But He was in the stern of sleep. When He arose, He rebuked the winds and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so... There's that word. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no... What do you mean no faith? Well, you have to go back to the start of the story. Jesus looked at them and said to them, Let us... Let us go to the other side. A word from God said, you are going from here and you're going to end up over 
That was the word of God. It's the only word Jesus gave them. Let us go to the other. You got to have a word and you got to speak that word. Speak that word. Speak that word. While they were on the storm speaking that word, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. A squall came up. A quick storm came up. Let's just call it opposition. A problem. A bad word. What did they do when the word, when that happened? They just kept saying, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. No, what did they do? They stopped saying and they started, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. They changed their story. Finally, they, they got so bad and they thought they were really going to die. Then it gets time to do what? Let's pray. We don't have to pray because the prayer guy is on the boat. So when they couldn't do no more themselves and they done changed their story back to we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die, they run back and they tell Jesus, because I told you, when, when, even though you think you can't pray, if things get bad enough, you're a good prayer. I promise you can pray. It just ain't got bad enough yet. But it got bad enough and they started praying. Let's go back, wake Jesus up. So what do they do? They wake Jesus up and they said, Lord, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, now, here again, they're not quitters, so God's like, okay. I'm not going to chew you out about that. He gets up, and think of the miracle that could have happened. We're not going to die. We're not going to die. We're going to make it. Boats beside them. Remember, there was other little boats, and they would look over. Don't you worry. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other. What, imagine what the miracle that would have been, facing that squall about to go under everything. And what would have happened? I know exactly what would have happened. He who was sleeping in the back, God would have woke him up and just before they would have went under, he would have walked to the front and said, peace, be still. Instead, they woke him up out of their fear. He still did the same thing. He walked to the front of the boat. Peace, be still. But instead of turning around like to the centurion and saying, man, I have not seen faith like this nowhere. He turned around back to his men. And he said, why were you afraid? In other words, didn't I tell you where we were going? But he said to them, why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? I know you're going through problems. We all do. And I know you're facing struggles or insecurities or anxieties. It could be from anything from what you're going to be in life one day, your job, to who you're going to marry one day, or, or, or what, where you're going to live one day, or, or, or what the doctor just said. It, it could be a thousand things. And I'm not minimizing any of them. They're all real. I'm not one of those that says, it's in your mind. It's, I know it's real. Your flesh knows it's real, and it feels it. Your marriage, it's, 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 you feel the strain. You feel, I know it's real. But I'm telling you how to get the upper hand. You first start speaking what God's already spoke. We're going to go through it. We're going to make it. We're going to overcome it. And then secondly, you realize here, the problems that's been brought into your life was never meant to destroy you. The problems in your life were meant to make you better. If I had time, and I'm out of it, time for you to go. But there's a man who today does the XO conference, him and his wife. He's the top, I mean, the top in America right now. Marriage guru, whatever you want to call it. Does the biggest conferences in the United States. You know the funny thing, if you go back and study and hear his story, he loved golf. He wanted to play in the PGA. He, he, he played golf all the In fact, he played so much, he'd leave his wife at home all the time. And he was a mean dude. He was a country club guy. If you ever met him at the country club, you would have said, 
That's the picture right there. His life got so bad, him and his wife were right on the brink of pretty much it was over. And this guy who loved golf, didn't care a whole lot for anything, didn't... God, he finally learned to pray right. Surrendered all. Not only did he become the marriage guru, but if you ever heard a guy by the name of Robert Morris who is Gateway and has five different churches, and that's his mentor. That was his pastor. What are you saying, Pastor? If you'd ask Jimmy Evans today, and that's his name, you ask Jimmy Evans, Jimmy, would you change anything? No. Because the stories that were made and what I had to go through has made me who I am today. Did I like it? No. But I want to repeat it? Absolutely not. But I thank God every day for what I went through because it's touched a lot of people's lives and it changed mine. Joel said something when he was doing He didn't go fully, but he said it right. Learn to lean in to your problems. Lean in with God. And learn what you need to learn and move on to something bigger. Will you bow your heads? Father, thank you today. Lord, you have just been in this service so powerfully. God, there are people that are going to walk out of this room today and, and we've had a spiritual moment at the altars. We've had... and those, I, I'm, God, I can't ask for no more. But their life will hinge on what they do for the next six days when they walk out of this room. Can they still raise their hand on Monday and praise You and give You glory? In the middle of their tribulation when things are not settled yet, can they, can they still persevere and hold on in character and develop the hope that God, though everybody else may leave you, God, I'm not leaving. I got nowhere else to go. I've put all my hope in you. God, that's not weakness. That's strength. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Father, today, your goal is to make people, marriages, strong. They may have to hear this sermon again and listen to it again to get all of it. But God, please, use it to move their life to get an upper hand on what's been beating on them for way too long. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, if you get a chance this week, go give that old devil fits.